Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the radio program. Uh, Jackson Taylor Twelman will join us, brought to you by Together Credit Union, coming up at uh, 1030. And uh, we welcome our audience to participate in the fun and games by texting in Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 and by leaving a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. So many things to get to as the Cardinal season continues to spiral. and uh, and I know there, the many of these topics are covered in the Lil Piddles half and half. Indeed, indeed they are, Tim. Uh, let's get started with the half and half. Let's just get right underway with the old half and half. Cardinals lose another game last evening. So as you can imagine, we're going to kick it off with a Cardinals question. Another, another victory left out there last night for the Cardinals that looks to be approaching a breaking point. Do losses like last night's where you have a lead and then I, lose I, I hate to, I don't, I hate to, I don't. When you say it looks to be approaching a breaking point, what do you mean? I, maybe there's something the season, I'm not aware of. The season as okay. a whole. might be. It, it could, a boiling point might so be you, a better So this, I didn't know if somebody had said that some. Because no. no. I was aware of uh, John Denton. John Denton just joined us on TMA and talked about Wilson Contreras and how he's he was in tears almost as he mm-hmm. interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if something had been said. That's why I'm asking that question. Nope, nope. So more of the season as a whole, kind of reaching a boiling point. The way point. you looked at me when I interrupted you, I feel like you want to put me on your dance card and you're taking Jamie Rivers off your dance card. No, good. Listen, context is important. You don't want to answer a question without fully understanding That's it. That's exactly right. And I get that. There's honesty in media. Do losses like last night where you have a lead and lose it and then have opportunities late but don't capitalize hurt more then let's say a blowout loss at this point in the season. Do you think, quote-unquote, backbreakers like this still take a toll on the team that has underperformed all season? I think last week, for example, when Nolan Arnato had the ball ripped down the left field line and then the Cardinals lost what should have been uh, the go-ahead run with some odd base running going on with Nolan Gorman and Tommy Edmond and Nolan Arnato, uh, that they thought in that moment, okay, this is going to be the moment where they leap forward and mm-hmm. be a good team right. on the road and a comeback win with Arnato shot down the line. It would encompass Arnato getting right again and the team winning against a good team on the road, carry that momentum into a weekend series with the Reds where you'll win at least two, if not all three. And then you got a Giants team that's a little bit wobbly, not sure exactly what they are in the homestand. This can be the moment. I feel like the team is just looking for the moment that then lights the fire and then they become who they thought they were going to be when they left Jupiter, Florida in late March. 
But yet with each game, these one-run losses just pile on the frustration. And whether it would have been Arenado last night in the eighth inning or Goldschmidt as the Cardinals are making a little noise against uh, Duvall, who was having problems with his own uh, control, uh, that that could have been the moment. And then it doesn't happen. And you go, God, it just, I mean, it's not a small sample size. It's just not, it's 67 games. Oh, yeah. This counts, man. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 95 games are left. And if we just want to do the math and say they go 60 and 35, which would be one hell of a yeah. run considering a team with a 403 win percentage would suddenly win 63% of their games. So you would be talking about. So if they were to do that, that's 87 wins. Now, in this particular division, that may be enough to win it. But I'm presenting to you a scenario in which a team that's winning 40% of its games would have to, over the next 95, win 63% of its games. Can it happen? Yeah, it can It can happen. I actually think that's in the range of outcomes. Uh, I think it's a hell of a lot more likely, actually, than this team winning 40% of its games. But I've been saying something similar now for two months. I mean, this goes back to the middle of April going, man, I wonder, could this possibly be the same type of situation that we had with the Blues, which is thought it was a good team and then going, holy crap. I haven't had this happen much in, in you know my career in St. Louis television or radio when you've had two teams that you thought were going to be really good have really off years. One team, perhaps, uh, the 2002 Rams, for example, were stunningly bad, Mm -hmm. and uh, many of the players got hurt, and there was a thought process that they just lost their way after losing a Super Bowl in which they were two touchdown favorites. Um, The 2007 Cardinals, the defending world champions, and how that thing went off the rails and is still the only team to finish below 500 in the 21st century for the Cardinals. Um, 2016 Cardinals? uh, 2016 Cardinals were disappointing after a 100-win season, certainly. They kind of just lingered and never got into the playoffs. But the level that it fell to for the Blues and the level that it's currently at for the Cardinals, and now once again with the worst record in the National League. I don't know how to point to one thing and go, well, if they can do this, it's so much. Uh, I read an article. You sent me the link to the article uh, on CBS Sports yesterday. The top five managers in baseball who are on the hot seat. Buck Showalter of the Mets was one. Ali Marmol of the Cardinals was two. John Denton, who's a regular guest with us on this show on Thursdays and joins us on TMA on 105.7 HD2. And you can uh, watch the show at youtube.com slash TMASTL and just see how cute I am, actually. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why people tune in at this point. Yeah. John Denton last week, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say he like pushed back on it. And I, and I know that Kerry Davis and Randy Carricker are having this debate on the opening drive. Is the players or the manager? I would agree with someone saying it's the players. And it's so cliche, but it is accurate. You can't fire players. You can, especially in baseball. 
you can fire a manager. And so now John Denton, who does not expect it to happen anytime soon, to be clear, but he recognizes the pattern of practice that goes on in sports, that if you have a team underachieving like this one, and this is the biggest underachiever in baseball, I don't know who would be second. I mean, people may point to the Mets, but they're only four games under 500. People may point to the Padres, but they're only three games under 500. The issue for both the Mets and the Padres is they are actually further out of their division lead than the Cardinals are a team that has the worst record in the National League at 13 games under 500. That if you have a team underperforming like this, right or wrong, people get fired. It's just the way that it works. And from my standpoint, a move the Cardinals may have is to fire the manager. Uh, Not to say that that will fix it, but that oftentimes you will see teams then suddenly turn it around. It's not an it's not an absolute by any means, but we did just see it a year ago, right around this time. Joe Girardi was mm-hmm. fired in Philadelphia. And the thing about Joe Girardi fired in Philadelphia and the thing about Buck Showalter with the Mets, those two guys have track records and they have histories of success that they can fall back on. Ali Marmol doesn't. He had a ninety plus win team win a division a year ago. But it wasn't a great game, one of that wild card series from a managerial standpoint. And so far, you know, one of the things that CBS article cited was, you know, strategically, he's sound, even though fans aren't happy about what's going on. But he certainly has made some mistakes, such as calling out Tyler O'Neill's effort in the fifth game of the season, which was something that I just in the moment thought was odd. And personally, when I've been around great leaders, uh, that's not something that they do, and in my opinion, that's not something that great leaders in sports or business do. But I didn't think, oh my God, this is going to be an indication of a disaster season. I think it's, I think it's a coincidence. I don't think professional athletes show up and go, well, I'm still pissed off about the Tyler O'Neill thing, you know, back in the first week of April. I just don't think that's the way that it works. But I also think the way that things can work is players can, for whatever reason have a fire lit under their asses when a manager gets fired, whether because it makes them go, oh my God, we cost this guy his job, or holy crap, they're ready. The, the, the next thing that they will do is just blow up the team. And if I like playing in St. Louis or I like my job, uh, I can't have that attached to me, much less winning. And so these are things that I think have to come into play. And considering how bad it is, I'm surprised by the lack of activity on on the Cardinal front. And I and by that I mean I realize they've been calling up guys and trying to, to pick and choose what they can do from the minor leagues, Luke and Baker and seeing what they can do there. And and now Jordan Walker is back up and by the way has a one point two five OPS over the last week. But I don't think too many markets in baseball Again, with the expectations the Cardinals had, and I don't think many people were thinking world championship, but certainly were thinking Central Division, and nobody was thinking 13 games under 500 through 67 games, that it's as, for lack of a better term, calm as it is. You've had one move that you go, holy crap, and that was the Wilson Contreras thing. And fun facts for no one tell, Jackson, this was sent uh, to me via text by loyal TMA listener, the great Buck Swope. And Wilson Contreras 
you know, we were talking about Jordan Walker's confidence. Well, he currently or clearly has it back. But currently, Wilson Contreras, since he was told he would no longer be catching a month and a week into his first season in St. Louis, uh, only to uh, learn how to catch a week later, uh, he has been hitting 134 with a 531 OPS since May 6th. 134 batting average, 531 OPS. And he did an interview with John Denton, and I cited this at the beginning of the program. And in that interview, uh, Denton said he was on the verge of tears and was talking about uh, how his confidence is absolutely ravaged. Uh, In the article, he said, I'm looking for answers, uh, but we're playing poorly, and that's really the only answer right now. A somewhat rattled Contreras said following the Cardinals' third loss in as many days. We have 16 losses by one run, and it's really frustrating. I think throughout the year we haven't come together as a team, and that's something that is showing up right now. Contreras said regarding his recent 5-for-59 slump with only two home runs and three RBIs, this is my first time since I've been in the big leagues that I've struggled this bad. I think I've lost my confidence, and I lost my trust, and I lost the trust that I came into the season with. It just went away. Uh, I don't think, I I know I have to keep going. Right now I have to find ways to get myself going. I've been hitting the ball hard, but right to people, that's something that's out of my control. But man, I just have to keep playing hard one play at a time and be the best I can for my team and my teammates. That's Wilson Contreras, who has lost his confidence. He cited losing trust. That's different than losing confidence Big to time. me. Big and time. if you want to extract from those comments and then put put that on, whether it be Ali Marmol or the Cardinals, because I don't think that was Ali Marmol acting unilaterally. No. Um, and then you go, okay, well, how has he performed since that happened? Well, I just gave you the information. He's hit 134, and he's got a 531 OPS since then, and he's five for his last 59. Uh, that move is one that I got the Jordan Walker move. I know that was not a popular move. I understood it uh, to go, okay, we don't like the way he's hitting the ball. And either way, we have O'Neal, we have Carlson, we have Newt Bar. We want to see Burleson get at bats for whatever reason. Uh, fine. Let's let Walker get it right at the AAA level. I liked the move. And I, 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 I liked the move for that reason, not thinking that it was necessarily going to turn into what it's turned into since he's been back. So I want to be clear on that. Uh, in other words, I may have been right, but I was right for the wrong thought process. Uh, but with regards to Contreras, here is a veteran. Here is a world champion. Here is a guy who doesn't have to worry about working the rest of his life. But it's his confidence that is rattled, not Jordan Walker's. Although Walker did start off his time at Memphis and he was hitting terribly. He then got it right, doing his own thing saying, yeah, I'm just going to focus on hitting the ball, and I'm not going to worry about hitting it in the air. In other words, I don't really care what they say. i got to do it my way, and he has, and he's gotten it right. And he has hit a couple of home runs in the last week along with that 1.250 OPS. Contreras, though, has had his confidence rattled, and he mentions trust. That's something that Contreras and the Cardinals are going to have to work through because he's under contract for another three and a half years as a catcher. But here's the bigger picture that's a, that's a – a simple strategy. Why the hell is he still hitting fifth? It's crazy. And I don't know why Alec Burleson, who I know doesn't play nearly as much anymore, but why he would be able to be hitting up in the lineup and Jordan Walker still down low when it's he crazy. clearly is raking. Right. And if you look at the major league numbers this year, I feel like the most consistent hitters the Cardinals have had outside of last year's MVP have been Nolan Gorman and, and Jordan Walker. Would agree. 
and I don't know why he continues to be down at the bottom of the lineup. You're talking about all these one-run losses. It can matter. It'd be one thing if you're going, oh my God, the staff's ERA is six, and they're just dreadful. The pitching hasn't been bad recently. Over the past two weeks, it's been good. That's the thing. And you're not winning games. You need to try to find an edge. I don't know why he's down there, and I have no idea why Contreras is still hitting fifth, unless there's such an issue now between him and the Cardinals that they're like, oh, God, we don't want to now move him out of the core of the order and move him down. But the man's hovering around the Mendoza line at this point. He's hitting 134 since he was removed from the catcher spot for a week. They have so many issues that one thing isn't going to solve it. But yes, I do think it's in play that they go, yeah, we just got to make a move at the manager spot. But that'll be the fourth manager since 2018, whoever they would go with. Your thoughts, 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. Taro Twelman will join us at 1035 for his talking with Twelman. You nailed it, Tim. Yes. Nailed it. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Uh, as the uh, doggies had the draw on Sunday with the Galaxy and uh, were not able to uh, get the win in Dallas last week as they picked up that game, plus Messi coming to MLS and the impact that's had. Uh, looking forward to talking it over with Taylor. Your thoughts on the Cardinals? We will continue that discussion in the next segment. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Hack here in Alton Toyota. I want to win speed. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. It's driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Taylor Twelman with us, presented by Together Credit Union. That's coming up in about 12 minutes. Uh, Jackson, what else do we have on this Cardinal discussion in the Lil Piddles half and half? Sure. Uh, Doug Vaughn brought this up on TMA today. It was a big talking point on TMA and uh, has been many times this season that the Cardinals have a tendency to pull their pitchers maybe early and put their somewhat subpar bullpen out there. Do you think this move is one of the many that have hamstrung the Redbirds? Do you see this trend all across baseball? What are your thoughts? Uh, It's at this point in 2023... Relatively speaking, with the exception of perhaps a handful of pitchers, an unwritten rule. And the unwritten rule is a starting pitcher does not face the top of the order three times. Um, So, yes, Matthew Libertor was only at uh, 86 or 88 pitches when he was removed last night. And uh, then Palante gives up a run uh, in the seventh and uh, and you go, man, it would have been nice to see Libertor go out there for the seventh and try to continue the momentum that he had. But this is more commonplace than not. There are plenty of things to pick at from my standpoint on the Cardinals. That move last night is not one that bothers me. Yeah. Uh, Libertor was in grind mode on some of those at-bats. I think sometimes you go, like Quintana last year, I think you can certainly, and I'm talking about the playoff game against the Phillies, you can certainly make more of a case for it. Again, that was third time through situation. But I don't live and die by that. I know a lot of fans don't like that. They look at that as too data-driven. But if you're looking at the context of how Libertor was grinding through some of those ABs, I get that move. Yeah, especially for a younger pitcher like that. Maybe not necessarily trudging him out there for triple-digit numbers on the pitch count. Uh, I respect it. I think that they have people who get paid a good amount of money to make those analytic decisions. So 
I uh, I respect it. I well, asked a lot th- of those analytics people put this roster together and uh, have made the moves throughout the course of the season. So I will respectfully not just yield to those people. I have to say that, you know, I mean, uh, that, that then that's not. I got you. But this is this is a this is an effing mess. <laughs> no doubt. And so I can't just go. Well, you know, they're smarter than me, and they certainly have way more information than me. I'll be the first one to say that. Um, but uh, I think some of the analytics has become dogma, and I think it's uh, I, I don't think you just go, okay, well, that's the third time through, so we got to pull them. Right. And I'm not I'm not saying that you're saying right, that. Right. I just think that that has become a part of baseball. You know, last week we saw John Gray. I mean, not somebody that you go, oh boy, it's it's a John Gray day. Just hope to you know hope to score a run, but he was carving up the Cardinals. I don't know if the Cardinals will fi- go up against a pitcher who was more on than what we saw last week in Arlington mm-hmm. from a guy who you know he's been a long time major leaguer, but he's not like somebody go, oh God, it's a Max Scherzer day. Let's just hope. But he happened to be on. I don't give a damn if the Cardinals are seeing him for a fourth time. If I'm Bruce Bochy, he's staying out there. And he did, and Burleson got to him. And the Cardinals wound up, uh, you know, coming back and winning that. They're not coming back. It was a scoreless game. So I, I think it's a case-by-case thing. And I think that's why Tony LaRusso wanted to get back into baseball, was to kind of shove it up the backsides of the guys that I'm sure he and other players would go, the nerds, because they believe vehemently that there is more to it than just looking at numbers. And I think a lot of fans feel that way as well. So I share that opinion, but you also then have to look at what was going on. And I don't think Libertor was on easy street last night. Uh, it was seven hits and, uh, in, in two walks. So from my standpoint, I was comfortable with that one, but yes, overall, I think this whole thing about, well, it's third time through, got to get them out, you know, no. Yeah, and data-driven decisions, it's not just solely baseball. I mean, you've seen it in the NFL where third or fourth down, you know, going forward on fourth down is now a lot of it is data-driven. It's the reason the three-point shot in the NBA has gone to crazy numbers. There's data. The data tells you one thing, and it might not work for every team. I asked this big, hairy question, Tim. We won't be back on these airwaves, these 101 ESPN HC1 airwaves, until Monday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think Ali Marmol is still the manager of the St. Louis Baseball Cardinals on Monday? What odds would you put it at? Yeah, I do. Um, ninety percent. Okay. Where are you? you? You've you've actually gone more into the uh, and 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 let me make it clear. I'm not going. He should be right. No, no, no. I get you. I'm just saying. You know, I asked John Denton when he was with us on TMA an hour ago. I said, You're you have the conversations that aren't in front of the cameras or the microphones. Mm-hmm. And so you have an idea. And that's honestly, that's really where the truth is. And it, and it, and by the way, that's where it should be mm-hmm. or, or it should just be kept inside the room. Take your pick. Um, and that's the nature of the game. And I can understand how people go. Well, why is, why is it that way? It, it, it's the same reason it's that way is the same reason why I reacted the way I did when Ali Marmol called out Tyler O'Neill individually in his effort. That's just not the way people lead. And by the way, that can be in the conference room at Hubbard Radio. That can be at, at the bank. That, that, right. it, that's just not the way people who get respect operate. They either get respect by their track record or they get respect by the way they treat the people with whom they work. And that's that's in, in calling out somebody's effort individually publicly that just didn't that's just not the play man so with all of that said calling out teammates uh 
publicly, whether it be on the record or off the record, isn't the sign of a good room. Um, so when I say that about Denton and what his feel for it is, his feel for it is he is he does not think. I asked him, I said, are you monitoring this like at any moment you feel like you could get a text that, that Ali Marmol could be out? And he just doesn't think that's the case. He yeah. just doesn't think it's it's close. And and John Mazalak did his interview last week with Katie Wu. And I don't want to say he absolved Ali Marmol, but uh, I, I read that and I certainly did not feel like I was reading the comments of somebody who uh, is close to firing the manager. But as you pointed out when I brought that up last week, he also said he was going to increase payroll. So how much credence do we give those words? No doubt. Yeah, I think when I look at it, and I totally respect what you're saying there, and obviously I listened with John Den when he was on TMA and all that stuff. Uh, just looking at it from like the most macro view, we're now in the, getting in towards the middle of June. School's out for everybody. This is kind of the time in the summer where the Cardinals, you know, just on ticket sales alone, make a lot of money because everyone's out of school summertime it's baseball season the cardinals continue down this road that could be a big problem come july when it gets to be about 97 degrees outside and they got a day game uh a fire the team's ass a little bit maybe by the the manager being gone maybe lights of fire under the fans i don't know but that's why i think about when i think about these things it's like what time of the season so, are we what's, your, so what's your answer i mean i understand where you're reasoning but do you think it i mean it's one thing if we think it should or shouldn't be done do you think the organization would actually do it because it would be you know just like if they decide to sell right right that's something i haven't seen in my in my career in st louis and actually it really isn't something that they've done in st louis since bill dewitt's been the owner it depends on what your perspective is on the buy and sell. They traded Royce Clayton uh, and Todd, or for Royce Clayton, I guess, or traded Royce Clayton away in '98 for uh, Fernando Tatis and Darren Oliver and Todd Stottlemyre was part of that deal. Uh, Craig Paquette, if I'm not mistaken, was an acquisition at the deadline in the 1990s. But from 2000 on, they've been in the mix and they really haven't sold. This is the first time. You know, I thought it was interesting just from a sports fan standpoint. It's not what I wanted to see happen um, as both a lifelong St. Louisan and a, and a fan of both the Cardinals and the Blues who host a talk show. But I thought, okay, wow, the Blues are actually going to have a decision to make here with, you know, mm-hmm. 91 and 90. And God, now you got the Barbershop situation too. Who would have thought he'd be in the mix? And now here he is. He could hoist the chalice tonight. Uh, so that was one thing. This... This is this is in another world because it has not happened at all. And I'm talking about the organization possibly having a fourth manager in four five seasons and then also selling. And I don't think anybody is safe. I, I, I shouldn't say that. Noah Arnato, Jordan Walker. Those, those are two that would come to mind right away. And you go, Gorman. well, they're Goldschmidt. I would say they would consider. I, I would absolutely make this crystal clear. I would absolutely consider trading Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, yeah. Absolutely consider trading Paul Goldschmidt. That is, I recall writing about Albert Pujols in 2010 and going, hey, you know, his contract's up after 2011. I think the Cardinals are going to have to pass on signing him. And you would have thought I, you know, right. had had spoken against the gods. But, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, it proved to be right. And my right. reasoning was, I don't, it's not that I didn't want him. It's just logically, right. business-wise, it doesn't make sense to invest what it's going to take. And I never thought, by the way, when I wrote that in 2010, he was going to get what he wound up getting from the Angels. 
from a logic standpoint, if this team is that far away, I'm not sure that they are. But if in mid-July they are still this far away, and Paul Goldschmidt's up after next year, and you have all the questions you have with pitching, and now throw the outfield into that mix, and keep an eye on this Helsley thing. The forearm strain, Doug said it this morning on TMA, oftentimes is the chapter right before the Tommy John chapter. So keep an eye on that. Hopefully that's not the case. Then you're not close. And imagine the haul you can get for the defending National League MVP. It will be stunning in St. Louis should that happen. You thought the Blues unloading O'Reilly and Tarasenko was something. Imagine trading away the MVP in this market. Forget about it. Your thoughts, 314-399-9646. We switch gears and talk it over with Taylor Twelman in the next segment. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're headed down to the pitch to talk soccer and city SC with Taylor Twelman. This is talking with Twelman on 101 ESPN presented by Together Credit Union. Together Credit Union, the City SC Visa credit card is exclusively available at togethercu.org. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. And this program is presented to you by St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. That is Munga Ass. And it is our pleasure every Tuesday. Presented by Together Credit Union to be joined by Taylor Twelman. Taylor, good morning. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? How are you? I am good. I, you know what? This this is a little obscure, and I'm I'm. Uh, this is probably not the direction you thought I would start this thing off with, but I love Andrew Marchand and uh, John Oran's uh, sports media, sports business podcast. Yeah. And I read Marchand in the New York Post uh, regularly, and I was listening to his podcast, and I saw you did an interview with him, and uh, you said the following. And by the way, do you pronounce it Pele or Pele? It's Pelé. I thought so. Did you know that? Look at the look on Jackson's face. He can't believe it. This is shocking my world. Yeah. Pelé. Yeah, how about that? I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but it is <laughs> arguably one of the greatest athletes ever. You think we might be overreacting a little bit? I think I'm underreacting. You think you think it's a bigger deal, actually, somehow. Here's my point. We'll focus on that tomorrow, Jackson. Here's my point. Taylor, you said to uh, Marshawn, Messi will be bigger than anything 
Palais did. And that, of course, is in reference to him uh, going to MLS with that announcement last week of uh, of going to Miami. And I saw Neymar talking about that as well and what the, what it's going to mean for MLS. In one way, it's perfect timing for St. Louis. In another way, it's incredibly unfortunate that we miss him by a week. But if you could elaborate on that and what it will mean for uh, MLS. I, I mean, for the listeners that don't know my history, I was born during the NASL. My father played when Americans were very fortunate to get on the field and very lucky, right? So he made a 10-year career out of playing in the NASL. And firsthand, I heard the stories of what Pelé and Beckenbauer and Canalia and what the Cosmos did. And what I'll say is this. They introduced the game to North America. And anyone that comes to me and says, well, look at the 1950 World Cup, miss me with that. That's how I'm talking about Pelé was the greatest athlete in the world, and he came here and introduced them to what football, soccer, is around the world. But there was nothing that that allowed the NASL to capture that, to continue it. The league literally folded within years later. And so what I'm trying to say is now you've got David Beckham coming here in 2007. That changed the league for the better. You've got soccer-specific stadiums. You've got owners spending tens of hundreds of millions of dollars. The expansion fee was $30 million. It's now $500 million. However, Messi, still in his prime, still with the ability to win a World Cup six months ago, is coming to the United States, Canada, and ultimately Mexico when the World Cup is here in 26. And it's going to elevate the game to a level that Pelé couldn't get there, and that wasn't his fault. Look at the infrastructure that's here. Look at the markets that are in the league. Look at exactly where the youth is. The fact that, Tim, you and I can watch any game in the world now via the Internet streaming. He's now going to take that rocket ship to the moon. Pelé couldn't do it. Not his fault. It was just the timing, mm-hmm. and it was a different world. This is completely different. Messi's going to blow it out of the water. And uh, your, your quote in uh, the article in the New York Post, Messi wants to be as big of a global star as Michael Jordan. I think sometimes people see, you know, quote-unquote, aging players who have played overseas come over to MLS and go, okay, well, they're just, you know, cashing in while they can and and kind of shutting it down. That's not your viewpoint on the reasoning for this move. Uh, your thoughts on, on that, uh, Taylor? Well, if he's cashing in, he would have gone to Saudi Arabia exactly. for $1.6 net. Not gross net over three years and so the fact anyone that wants to say he's retiring they they, have they not paid attention over the last six months he won a world cup for argentina he's the only player in western europe top five leagues in the world top five leagues in europe to have 20 plus goals 20 assists and so to say he's retiring it's just you're not paying attention is he what he was 10 years ago no he is he's absolutely not however the quote about being Michael Jordan, it has really ruffled some American sports fans' uh, feathers. They don't get it. They don't understand it. Michael Jordan's massive. So massive that Jordan Brand was the uniform supplier for the team that Messi played on in Paris. Wow. Okay? Wow. So, Tim, what I'm saying is Messi wants to be that. The only thing, and this is directly from Messi's camp, 
It's been given to me for the last 18 months. If he wants to be Michael Jordan, the only place he can do it is in this country. It's still an untapped market. Copa America is going to be here in 2024. The World Cup is here in 2026. The only place he can do that is here. Now, also coming to the United States allows him to be younger and fresher for the Argentina national team. And what people don't get is if he went to Saudi Arabia, that's 70% more travel. That's yeah. flying from the Middle East to this hemisphere. But he wants to be the next Michael Jordan. His camp does. And in order to do that, he's got to have a huge World Cup and use this as a runway into that in 2026. And then I think Adidas, Apple, and the other corporate sponsors, I think they're going to help him get there. And and to be clear, because people may look at the uh, schedule and go, this is great. Messi's going to be playing St. Louis. That is not the way it's going to work out, correct? Miss him by a week? Uh, Messi has not made the decision when he's coming here. Does he come in July 15th? No, uh, yeah. I don't think he does. I'd actually be a little surprised if he comes July 21st. This is going to be the first opportunity this summer in the last nine years that he could take an extra three weeks and to really gather himself and then open up in August. I, I think both are up in the air, but I, uh, he won't be in St. Louis on July 15th. Uh, and uh, with regards to the tie-in that you made earlier, Taylor, David Beckham, Galaxy, 2007. We saw the Galaxy here in St. Louis. Uh, that's a team that at the moment is not moving in the direction that they wanted to be doing 16 years ago with Beckham, uh, nor in 2023. And City had an opportunity taking a uh, 1-0 lead and were not able to hold Hold on. What did you see on Sunday? Once again, missing Klaus, I think, could be uh, made a, a case for what we we saw with missing that opportunity. Your analysis on Sunday afternoon at City Park. Depending on how this season ends up, Tim, I think you are going to hear me bring this up in September and October, unfortunately, for St. Louis City. Inexcusable to not leave that game with three points. Yeah. And it comes down, listen, Nerwinski, bad giveaway, tying goal. I get all of that. But if Vasilev plays Joe Akini in a square ball, a simple finish, it's 2-0, game's over. Yeah. And these are the little things that come to bite you. So if they don't host a playoff game or they don't win the supporter shield and it comes down to a couple points and results, these are the kinds of results. St. Louis City didn't play great, but you got yourself a 1-0 one, one lead on an unbelievable goal from Joe Akini fantastic touch you then have the opportunity to literally finish the galaxy who are really struggling confidence wise you don't put that away and then it leads to a mistake one one it's unfortunate it's one that i think after the dallas game because that was as flat of a half performance that i saw midweek that was weird and then you see that I think it's unfortunate. I think Bradley Carnell, Lutz Fonenstiel, and that group are going to sit there and say, oh, we let that one get away. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, Taylor, final, final thought here. I realize, you know, Dallas is in a different spot than, than the Galaxy, but, you know, th- these were two opportunities in a, in a matter of, of, what, five days, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from the abandoned yep. game against Dallas. Uh, and that one was scoreless when they restarted. And then playing the Galaxy, that there's a real opportunity to pick up some points. And unfortunately, I, I look back on it, and I, I go, is that was that a case of some missed opportunities there? And, and you just summed it up. If, if things aren't where they should be in September, uh, they may look back on, on this week as uh, – is some missed opportunities. 
Well, part of the success in MLS when you have a season-long campaign and you go about it in different ways, different time zones, different weathers, you've got to win when you're not at your best. The Dallas game, what surprised me was the change of the roster, the change of the game. They came out flat. They gave up a goal that they shouldn't have given up to Jesus Ferreira. And so then it looked like, okay, I'm interested to see what this team comes out Sunday against L.A., it's difficult. It's a noon game, Tim. It's difficult. It's not under the lights. I thought the energy was a little different. However, again, you're not playing your best. The Galaxy haven't done a ton. You get a great goal from Joe Akini, and then you have the opportunity to punch him in the face and finish him, and you don't do that. That's going to leave a bitter taste in the mouth, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do this weekend against a Nashville team that's playing at a high level. I've done four Nashville games this year. I will be there this weekend to do the game. This is a difficult test for St. Louis City because they've got arguably the MVP in the league and Hani Mukhtar, but more so they are a team now. They don't give up a ton of chances. And so if you don't create a ton, you're going to be asked to defend for majority of the game. I think this is a difficult test for St. Louis City Saturday night. Taylor Twelman every Tuesday here presented by Together Credit Union talking all things city, all things soccer here on 101 ESPN. Taylor, always appreciate the time, man. Thank you for the breakdown. Thanks so much, brother. Yep, middle name is Palais. Oh, how about that, Jackson? But that, take that. Taylor Twelman here, brought to you by Together Credit Union. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with our final segment of Balloon Party, driven by Mungana, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Manganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Taylor Twelman with us in the previous segment. Uh, plenty on the Cardinals, Ali Marmol, the uh, next step in what has been a stunning, stunning season and really a stunning year in St. Louis sports. And I incorporate uh, St. Louis City into that conversation. They've just been the pleasant surprise. But if you would have told me the Blues would have had the year they had and the Cardinals would have had the year they had and City would have had the year they had, I would have gone, the hell? It's, everything's kind of opposite of yeah. what you would have anticipated. That's where we are uh, in this set of developments. Jackson and I will be back with you on Monday. I believe Randy Carricker, Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley, and Matt Rocky are going uh, four hours, Wednesday through Friday. We will be live at Ballpark Village tomorrow, live from Salt and Smoke, TMA Day at the ballpark. So we'll be doing our uh, main job, Jackson, which is TMA from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., uh, live from there. And that is why we will not be doing Balloon Party tomorrow. And you are playing in the U.S. Open on Thursday and Friday at L.A. Country Club. And uh, I've got Scheffler. Eric Cole and you is my three picks to click yeah. at LA Country Club. I like the way you fired a 78 from the Blue Tees at Gateway, and I feel like you fire a 78 from the Blue Tees at Gateway on Friday. You're trending, and I expect you to be in the mix come Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Will Piddles in La La Land. Ah, match made in heaven, especially when I lift. Now I've forgotten the name of the U.S. Open trophy. Mm. The Wanamaker's the PGA. Claret Jug's the Open. Obviously, the Green Jacket. What's the U.S. Open's trophy? Is it the U.S.? I, I didn't bring it up. Yeah, boy, now I've really backed myself into a corner. When I lift the U.S. Open trophy. Yeah, it just doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it doesn't. When, when I hoist the trophy. When I hoist the trophy. In Los Angeles, to the delight of millions around the world. 
and I receive a call immediately from the head of the PGA Tour, Yasser Al Ramayan. Yep, and I'll get my tour card, which will be a disappointment to everybody on the on the station because that means no more little pills. Oh my gosh! Well, you'd call in. You'd yeah, call, you'd, you'd call in the Delsing show. That's what you do. No, I probably st- never mind. I would actually still do it, and I'll just still fly do out the show. Yeah. Yeah. And then play. Practice rounds the wherever. Weekends. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I respect that. Uh, so we'll be back on Monday, um, and we will be at Ballpark Village tomorrow if you want to come out for TMA Day at the ballpark. You can get your tickets, $30 tickets, TMASTL.com, and they're uh, field box seats. How about that? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Uh, all right, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Hacker, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.